Hello and welcome to How to Be Happy with Dr. Wendy. Inside of you is an infinitely compassionate and wise being you never knew existed. I'm Dr. Wendy Hill, talking to you from Encinitas, California, where I help people with their personal and spiritual growth through workshops and one-on-one meetings. Let's explore together how to find your true self and to live the life you were meant to live. We will talk about everything from how to heal your inner child and transform your current life, to how to connect with your highest self, and to connect with others in ways that bring joy. My guests will be clients, friends, other professionals, and maybe even you. So I invite you to relax and open your mind and your heart. This is an adventure we all share. My guest today is Anna Danes, who has a fascinating story of how she overcame challenges and has ended up where she is today as a vocalist. Her recent album is Find Your Wings. What a wonderful title. Welcome, Anna. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, tell me, you were starting to tell me about your childhood and how you got even to this country. Can you tell me the story? Yes, of course. So I was born in 1969 in communist Poland. And life was pretty harsh back then. My parents decided they wanted more and devised a plan to escape when I was about 9, 10 years old. We got a two-week travel visa to Sweden. We were supposed to come back, but we never did. The wall was still up, correct? The wall was still up, yes, absolutely. And then shortly after we left, martial law was declared and everything went to pieces in Poland. So we got out just in time. What is martial law exactly? What did your parents es- and you escape? Martial law basically meant that um, the government took charge of the, the uprising that was about to happen, and they shut down cities. They shut down the whole country. People had to stay home. They couldn't be on the streets par- past a certain hour. You, you couldn't travel at all. Uh, very harsh conditions. Very, very frightening. Mm-hmm. So where did your parents take you then? And, and how did they get past the wall? How did they do that? We, Because we had a travel visa, we were allowed to leave, and we went to Sweden, taking a ferry with um, most of our belongings in a tiny little car. And there, right away, we applied for asylum and uh, stayed in Sweden for about a year while our case was pending. And how old were you at the time? Ten years old. Ten years old. So you didn't speak. Did you speak English at all? No, not a word. Because no. listen to you. You sound like a California girl. <laughs> <laughs> I am now. Okay. <laughs> all right. The only person in our family who spoke English was my dad, and uh, I had to actually learn Swedish first, living in Sweden. And I was fluent at the end of that year. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you learn fast as a kid. So. What brought you to America, and what did you do when you got here? What brought us to America was um, inability to stay in Sweden. Sweden wouldn't accept us, wouldn't accept us as refugees, so we had to look for a home elsewhere, and ended up in Canada. Canada needed engineers, and my dad was one, so that's that was my first home um, on this journey. Now, how I got to the United States is another story. About 20 or so years ago, I met my now ex-husband, who was living in La Jolla at the time. 
and uh, shortly after we met, we decided to go for it. <laughs> I decided to go for it. So you met him in Canada. I met him online in Canada. Mm-hmm. I was a practicing attorney in Toronto. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so you were a practicing attorney. Did you have a specialty? I focused on family law. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how many years did you practice law? Only about two or three. And you quit shortly after you married or when you married? or No, actually, I quit after I met my ex-husband. Uh, I literally just closed down my practice, packed up my belongings, and did what my parents did a number of years prior, leaving Poland. <laughs> and you came from Canada mm-hmm. to La Jolla. Yes. And did you marry or at that time? or? Yeah, we married shortly after. Okay. So what an adventure in itself. Yes, lots with of adventures. So that was my third immigration. Your third immigration. Mm-hmm. Yes, that would be. Okay. So na- then what? Then what? So now, now we're in California. We're in La Jolla. We get married, and then we move to suburbia. I am basically helping my ex-husband in his business, helping it grow. What was, what was his business? His business was recycling and buying and selling medical equipment. Okay. Um, so I helped out on the uh, back end in the office and did everything that was necessary, obviously, at home. Did you miss law? I did not at the time. The law to me was always a stepping stone to other things. I never envisioned myself being, you know, a full-time, lifelong attorney. Is it not as difficult to become an attorney in Canada as it is here in America? It's just as difficult. So you went through a lot Mm -hmm. to become an attorney. Yes. And uh, even in your mind, it was a stepping stone at that time to what? Well, because my undergraduate degree was in the arts, I thought I needed something more practical to round off my education before I went into the real world. And that's why I decided law would be a good uh, good way to do that because it could open doors to so many things like business, journalism, all kinds of things, really. H- has it done that? Absolutely, yeah. To this day, even in music, I use that legal mind a lot. So it was a, it was a good investment of time and effort yes. and money. Yes, absolutely. Okay. What was needed? So here you are in La Jolla, suburbia. Well, from La Jolla, we went to suburbia. Uh, Started a family in San Marcos. Mm -hmm. The business kept growing and thriving. And after a while, we realized it's time to follow our dreams and build that dream house we always wanted. So we went now to Solana Beach and bought a property on the golf course here. And I started building this gorgeous dream house from the ground up, no expenses spared. It was quite something. And it was when it was done, I mean, it was exquisite. As the house was going up, though, the, uh, the dream was going down. Your relationship with your husband? Yes. You know, this is not an unusual story at all. I've heard this so many times before and actually kind of lived that story myself. So we have a lot of things in common, I can tell. <laughs> oh boy. So then the marriage ended. Did you get to keep the house, or did you sell it, or what? The marriage ended. Well, it, it didn't quite end quickly. That's really the story. That's the story of Find Your Wings and the meaning of so much of my music. Um, so what was the challenge for you with that? Well, the challenge was that... The, the marriage was breaking down over time, probably over many years. 
it's kind of symbolic that it happened in that house that we were both looking forward to living in forever and ever. <laughs> but he was basically involved in another relationship with his very young assistant. And I just kind of watched it going, okay, all right, you do that. But I I'm going to get ready for this exit because this isn't right. And I don't intend to spend my life like this, even if this is beautiful and it's safe and, you know, there's food on the table. This is not the way to live for me. So in the midst of great disappointment, you found something within yourself to begin to prepare for another life. I did. I had to. It's this old survival mechanism kicked in maybe from my Poland days. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So when, when you made this decision, did it, what did you pull upon in yourself? The decision came straight deep from the gut. I didn't even think about it. I knew what was happening was wrong and that I would never uh, allow that to happen and I wouldn't want my daughter to grow up in that kind of an environment. So you had a child at that point? At that point, yes. She was about seven at the time. Okay. So what, what was the plan then? So I kind of watched it slowly unfold. You know, I saved a little bit of money. I hired lawyers. I got a lot of advice and therapy, and I watched it till the time was right to to file and to move out, um, because I didn't want a I didn't want to make a mistake, both financially and otherwise. So, not only did you pull upon the courage and the determination that you got in leaving Poland and moving from Sweden to. Canada and then to America, uh, you pulled upon good sense. You yes. took it. You fought it through. I did. Just like an attorney. Yes, so I thought it. <laughs> okay. I mean, I could have had a knee-jerk reaction and called him out on it the first minute I heard of it. That would have been stupid. It yeah. would have jeopardized you know, my situation with my daughter. So many listeners uh, might be listening now and, and maybe in a similar situation who might have what you called a knee-jerk reaction of a great emotion driving you one way or another, mm -hmm. or into self-pity, which is one of the big pitfalls when we've been betrayed or disappointed by something. Did you go into self-pity at all for a time? Not for a second. Not for a second. <laughs> okay. The only thing I may have gone into is a little bit of fear. How am I going to do this? And what is life on the other side like? And that's without what, all this stuff around me. One of the things I talk about uh, with my work is what I call warrior spirit. Mm -hmm. It is that thing that we call upon within ourselves to overcome what sometimes seem like impossible obstacles. And I love hearing stories about warrior spirit, and yours certainly sounds like it's one. So what happened next then? What happened next well, I'll tell you what happened simultaneously, actually. While all this is happening in my personal life, I try to keep things as normal at home as possible for my daughter. And she expressed an interest in taking some singing lessons. So I bought her some lessons at an auction. And we went to the first three. And at the fourth one, she folded her arms like a typical seven-year-old and refused to sing because she was bored. <laughs> really? Okay. 
But I'm practical, and I didn't want to waste the lesson. I insisted she sing. She still refused. So the teacher said, would you like to try it? I stood up, and I sang. And I've not sang since I was probably 10 years old. I just sang in a choir once. That was it. I had no aspirations to be a singer. I've never had any formal training. Um, I did know a tune or two. So I let it rip, and it was summertime. That was your the first song? song? Was summertime. <laughs> it may have been summertime, too. but um, Oh, wasn't it, the song summertime? It was the song, yeah. It was. It was. That was the song you, mm -hmm. for your first song. Yes. <laughs> and it just kind of all poured out of me. I didn't know that it was even there. And the teacher kept asking me to do another one and another one. And, of course, I, I did, and I loved it even more. And I kept coming back for more lessons. So there's something about having music, not just in your throat, your chest, but in your whole body, especially if it's a, a song that has, at least for me a, as a vocalist, uh, and my listeners don't know that until this moment, that that's an avocation of mine, not a profession as it is for you now. But uh, one of the things I love most about singing was how it made me feel when I sang. And so as I see you nodding, mm -hmm. I can see that that's what got you. That's what got me. Yes. It's that feeling where it takes over, it permeates your whole body and it makes you feel good. Plus this music school was a safe place. I was feeling loved and encouraged where I didn't have that at home. And so why wouldn't I come back? Of course, it was a, an amazing outlet at a very difficult juncture in my life. So you had what one might call a divine intervention. <laughs> yes, music that, saved me. <laughs> that your daughter, in crossing her arms and saying, no, you didn't, maybe, and she didn't, but somehow that was designed to get you in the door to recognize something that you would love. Yes. And that's, that's a wonderful thing. You know, I believe that these kinds of things happen to us. And especially if we have a longing, if we, inside of ourselves, call out, help me, show me the way, do something within our hearts. Did, did, you, did you have that? Absolutely. That? And it's funny that you just said the word longing, because that is the title of my first album. That's exactly what I called it, because I was longing for love, hearing these beautiful love songs. You know, the Great American Songbook, that's what I was singing from. The standards. Um, the standards, absolutely. That was my first album, All Standards. So here you are, hooked by the feeling of music in your body, which I well understand, and anybody who's got music, whether they sing or play an instrument, knows that we're talking about. Oh, yes. And those of you who haven't tried it, listen to two women who started singing later in life. Mm -hmm. We did not start as children. We started as adults. And we made it happen because of that feeling. So try something. Try something you haven't tried and see. Maybe something inside of you will resonate to it and go, yay, this is just right for me. And that's what happened with you, Anna. It is exactly what happened with me. So I just kept coming back for more lessons, different teachers, mentors, and the path led me to question, well, why was I doing this? And I had to ask, honestly, 
and I came to the conclusion that I wanted to record an album, you know, stay-at-home mom from suburbia. It was unthinkable to me, but boldly I decided, yes, I'm going to do it, and I had to do it all in secret from him. We were still living together at the time. You and with your ex? Yes. Yeah. Had he found out that I was pursuing anything on my own that might be in some way liberating me from him, <laughs> he would have shut it down. So you don't strike me as the kind of person that is comfortable with keeping secrets. How did you deal with that? Luckily, he traveled a lot for work. So there was always a day of the week that I knew he'd be gone, and it was usually mm -hmm. Wednesdays. So Wednesdays was our recording day. <laughs> so in recording an album, did you have already recorded tracks, or did you put together a band? Oh, no, it was all put together by me. It was a huge project. I had a producer on it. We had uh, incredible musicians from San Diego, the best in jazz. We even had some strings from the San Diego Symphony. <laughs> so you had the funds to be able to fund this, yes. to do this. Very, yes. very fortunate. Another divine intervention Another so that you can do this. Yeah, and it's true. And um, you do have to have a little bit of money to create music in this capacity. Like what I wanted, I wanted a real album with real arrangements and the best of everything. And that's what I wanted to invest in. It's an investment. So a new singer with a dream of making an album, how outrageous of you. How dare right. you even <laughs> consider doing this with all the great singers around that can't get work. Right. And here you are initiating this, money or no money. What a, what a brave thing to do. So tell us about that part of you that says the heck with what other people are thinking or what they might think of me. I'm going to do this anyway. Tell us about that part of Anna. Yeah, that's true. That's exactly how it went. And in a way, ignorance is bliss. I did not know what I was getting into, and I didn't know very much about the music business. I knew that I loved doing it, but uh, I really didn't know the kind of arena I was entering. And we're now, what, five, six years later, and I'm finally understanding how this business works and what you need to do to succeed. So I just kept pressing on. I think it's just this crazy belief that you're going to do it no matter what. It's uh, And that's warrior spirit. I'm going to do it right. no matter what. What? No matter what. I never took no for an answer. Things didn't bother me. Something didn't work out. Oh, well, you try again. If I didn't do well on a song, I'll do it again. I listen to those recordings now, and I can't even believe how much I've come along from then. But was I embarrassed recording in my voice then? No, I just did it. Did you ever get criticism or raised eyebrows or feedback? Oh, of course. Tell of us course. about that, because <laughs> I, I want my listener to listen to what you have to endure to succeed when you are taking risks, and I want you to tell them what it was like to get criticism and what you did inside with it. Um, so the criticism that I got kind of came at me quietly from the sides. I guess what people were maybe saying about me and the community here in San Diego, music community, um, 
I think there was a little bit of jealousy, like who is she? Where did she come from? What is who does she think she is? Exactly. And does she even know how to sing? I still get that nowadays. <laughs> it it now it cracks me up. Um, because yes, I do know how to sing. <laughs> Before, you know, th there were a little question marks here and there because I really was very new. I mean, yes, I could sing, but I could I can tell now how much I've grown in the last five years. So, you know, when we listen to music, and I, I love pop, and I love uh, jazz, and I love uh, the standards, American music, and uh, a lot of times a song you love may not necessarily have a great vocalist, Absolutely. but it might have a great feeling or a great sound to it. Yes, exactly. Um, there's a lot to be said for that, and I've also learned that talent in this business you know, that's like the third or the fourth thing on the list of what uh, ultimately makes people successful. Well, let's hear the list. Uh, well, perseverance is at the top of the list, I think. That, that warrior <laughs> spirit, yes. Perseverance. Not taking no for an answer. Yes. Um, being easy to work with. Showing up on time. Being pleasant. Being professional. Yes, having a talent, but everybody's got some kind of talent. It's how you put all those pieces together. So uh, this is such great, great advice. You know, when I think about you uh, as a child coming from Poland and living behind the Iron Curtain and thinking about your childhood, um, you know, so in my practice I specialize in identifying and transforming subconscious self-defeating core beliefs that originate in childhood. And so I know that our core beliefs, which are formed very, very early in life, mm -hmm. become patterns of how we think, how we feel, and how we behave. And something was happening to you as a child that gave you this core belief of, I am not going to quit. Perhaps it was how your parents, their attitudes, or maybe you had a challenge at a as a child that something inside of you said no to, and that became a core belief that in my life I am going to persevere with determination. Can you remember back to something that might have? Yeah, you made me think about that one for a minute here. I don't recall a particular moment um, Perhaps it was just a culmination of life experience in Poland because of all the oppression around me. I, you kind of had to keep a low profile, basically, not stand out and keep going about your business. So if you are a, an intelligent, sensitive, creative child, that oppression is going to be felt. Yes, yes. And I had another source of oppression, unfortunately, in, in my family. My mom was extremely domineering, continues to be. Um, it, it, and it was suppressing me as a person from a very young age. She, she wanted me a certain way, not the way I was. And I never pleased her, basically. So in order for you to survive in any way, while you were young, you had to be there. You yes. had to please her to, to agree to continue to have support from Yes, it was family. conditional love. But something inside of you still said no, yes. that dug your heels in yes. and uh, create maybe a stubbornness Yes, that's <laughs> that, that to this day <laughs> yes. exists. Yes. And sometimes that stubbornness can undermine us and not do 
not help us in other ways, it can certainly give us that warrior spirit that you're talking about. Can you see, do you see both sides of that part of yourself? I do now, actually, now that you mention it. And again, I think it's a question of survival. I would not let anybody stomp out who I really was on the inside, even my own mother. I finally let go of her about 10 or so years ago because the relationship was just so toxic. In my adult life, I continued to be the good daughter, and I was still not good enough. So I know that I have listeners that have a parent that is very similar to what you're describing, and they're saying, but they're my parent, they're my mother, they're my father. I, I, I feel disloyal, I feel guilty letting them go or not talking to them or not having them in my life. How did you deal with that? Well, with a lot of therapy. <laughs> yeah, with a lot of therapy, <laughs> yes. Uh, but it wasn't really until I was around 40 years old that I finally decided to let go because it was either her or me. And I was a mother at that point. I had a family. I had a business. And I wasn't going to let her take me down with her and all her negativity so I decided to look out for myself and my family. And at the same time, I finally realized that because she brought me into this world doesn't mean that I owe her anything. I didn't ask to be brought here. So I don't owe her anything. But you do owe yourself a life that has some joy, that has some integrity, mm -hmm. that has some courage. And that in as much as you are giving yourself this life, you are also giving it to others. Permission to others. When you get up and you sing, and you're a singer that didn't start from the time you were three years old, as so many great singers have been, and you're up there, you're doing your Anna thing, and anybody knows your history is inspired. You become a teacher by being the you that you are choosing to be. Very nicely put. I appreciate that. And I think I am finally realizing recently that that is really my calling. The singing is an aspect of what I do now. Uh, I'm sharing my story a lot more. And my shows have become like almost speaking concerts. I just did my first TED Talk, too. Uh, so I'm using the two tools, music and language. That's, that's so perfect. And one of the things you shared when I watched you perform uh, was that you had ca had cancer. Yes, and twice. And you are twice, and you are now, thank goodness, in re remission. Yes. In fact, the second bout was just this year. I am three months post-radiation. And here you are up <laughs> singing in a nightclub in La Jolla. <laughs> yes, so I have a, a, a residency there. Uh, the beautiful place is called Covo, right on Prospect Avenue. And we're creating a new jazz series because there are no more jazz clubs left in San Diego. There really aren't. Fantastic. It's called Covo. Mm -hmm. It's on Prospect Boulevard in La Jolla. La Jolla. And if you are a local person listening... What, what day of the week do you perform? So it's going to be a Saturday series, but only once a month to make them very special. We were hoping, uh, we are hoping that one day it will become a weekly. 
Okay, so very soon. Yes. And anybody who wants to know when you're going to perform can call Covo, C-O-V-O. Yes, and anytime I have a big show, it's on my website, which is just AnnaDanes.com. AnnaDanes.com, A-N-N-A-D-A-N-E-S.com. I'm so glad that you came today, Anna. Thank you for inspiring us. My pleasure. Thank you for listening. Remember that you're worthy and loved beyond your own understanding. This is a universal truth. It is meant for you to know and experience this truth in your whole being. If you want to learn more about this experience and how to be truly happy, please go to my website, wendyhill.com. Meanwhile, practice warrior spirit and talk with love to that little child within you.